Good morning. I'm Reg, uh, Reg Taves. I'm the transitional lead pastor here at Forest Grove Community Church. If you're well, watching online, we welcome you here. Thank you for joining us here in our service today. It's so good to worship together, to lift up the voice of God together. Brenda and I were able to take a few uh, days off uh, over the last couple of weeks, and it was very good to just go and be refreshed. And hopefully you're going to find some time over the summer to be refreshed as well. Coming back to Saskatoon was beautiful as we came back in. It is sunny, it is warm, it is raining in Chilliwack. So we are happy to be here just so that you, just so that you know that, not just for that, but because we love to serve alongside you. We're continuing with our series on Lord, Teach Us to Pray. So we're inviting God to teach us how to pray. So we're continuing with that series. We're going to take a slight detour today as this is Pentecost Sunday. And for some of you who know the church calendar, you'll go, I understand that. Some of you are going like, it's what? It's, it's Pentecost Sunday. Well, what does that mean? It, well, Pentecost was actually a festival that was put together by the Jewish people at the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. So when the nation of Israel was coming out of Egypt, and we, we did a series called Faithful, and you can go back and look at that, but one of the things they did is they came out of Egypt, they ended up at the mountain, and God gave them the law there. So we know the Ten Commandments, you're probably familiar with that, and if not, you can find that in the book of Exodus. And they, he gave them the law and all of that it meant. And so they, they actually created a festival to celebrate the giving of the law. And that is what Pentecost Sunday is. And so in the Jewish culture, that's what they would be celebrating. Uh, among us, those of us who are evangelical Christians, we have Pentecost Sunday. And it reminds us of a new outfilling giving of God to us. And so it is a gift of God. So the title won't come up, but I've, I've really entitled this message, God's Gift of Himself. You know, we have this misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. We've sung about the Holy Spirit this morning. And as Marianne has led us, the Holy Spirit is inviting the nations to come, to see, to understand, to accept that Jesus is the one who comes to give freedom from sin, new life, and power to live every single day. The gift of God of himself may sound confusing to you. You see, Jesus came in the flesh as a human being, just like you and I. And he was one. And he could be with his followers. But he, and he was where they were. Jesus came in this bodily form. And he was limited to one location at one time. God with us. Emmanuel, is what we read about in the Gospels. If you read all four of the Gospels, it starts with who is Jesus and why did he come? Jesus came and was with his disciples at that time, but Jesus then said some things, and I'm going to go through this in a minute, is just talking about what did Jesus say about God giving us someone who can be with us all the time in spirit form? So there's a lot of misunderstanding about who the Holy Spirit is. Is he sort of like that, the third person of the Trinity? Yes. Well, is he like in a hierarchy? And it's like, well, actually, no. We believe that God is three persons in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A description could be something like this. So it's a picture of one person with many roles. 
For example, if I were to use myself as an example, I am a son. I have parents. Uh, I was born into a family, so I am a son, and I have a role as a son, which has changed. As a son, as a small son, it was like, parents, look after me. I need help. But as I've grown, now it's like, son, come over here and help us. So my role shifts. So I'm a son, but I'm also a brother. I have two older siblings. So not only am I a son, but I'm the baby brother of two older sisters. So I probably had like three moms. You probably know what that's like if you're in a family where there's these older siblings. So I had older siblings, but I'm a brother to them. And again, my role shifts. And finally, I would say I'm also a husband to my wife, Brenda. So am I one person? But I'm, I'm a son, I'm a brother, and I'm a husband. I have different roles with each one of those particular situations. In the same way, I would suggest to you, God is one. We're not talking about a multitude of gods. We're talking about one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was active not just now in the New Testament, but was active in the Old Testament. And we could go on and I could do a whole, we could do much more than just even a series on the Holy Spirit. But Jesus, when he came, said to his disciples, he promised them the Holy Spirit and said, I am going to go away and I'm going to send somebody to be with you. Now, nobody likes to see people leave. We always want to, we want to stay together. And so his disciples were concerned. They were worried. They were actually unhappy that he was going to leave. But Jesus was saying, but if I stay, I'm limiting myself to being just with you. I'm limiting to one place at one time. And God doesn't want to limit himself that way, and he doesn't. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to read a section of that in just a bit. So go to an app, find it, have it open there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible or an app, but you have a phone, you can get on a browser. Go to Bible Gateway in your browser and just type in in the search Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and it'll come right up there. I love using that particular uh, tool in looking at different versions particularly. Let's look at the context of the book of Acts. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm leaving and he comes to them and he gives them a command to wait. So we're going to give you the context for chapter 2 and then we're going to read it. So the command, first of all, is to wait. So in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he, Jesus, gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Waiting is generally not easy. The disciples were not those who loved to wait. But Jesus said, wait, stay in Jerusalem, don't go anywhere. You and I, when we get in situations where we have to wait, how many of you would say, yes, I am extremely patient? Nobody. So we don't like to wait. Uh, you've probably heard on the news about the wait lines at the Service Canada office for passports. You've probably heard about that. Well, I ended up at Service Canada 
uh, I can't remember if it was this trip or, or the one before, because I, needed, I, needed, I had some questions I needed to ask them particularly. It wasn't about a passport. It was about something else. So I went down, and I got in line outside and was waiting. I am not a patient person. And I thought, okay, this will be, you know, this line's going to move. It's like it is not moving. So waiting can be hard for us. When God says to us, wait, our response needs to be, yes, Lord, I am going to do my best to wait. Often Scripture calls us to wait patiently on the Lord for Him to respond. And so Jesus said to the disciples, wait, don't do anything. I'm going to send you a gift, but you have to wait for it. What I want you to notice is that waiting for them was not passive. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 14. There's an active waiting here. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, they didn't just say, well, everybody go home and we'll wait. It was like, no, let's get together. Acts 1, 14, they all joined together. Notice the words, constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So a whole group of them were gathering. They were waiting, but it was active waiting. They were constantly in prayer. Can you imagine what that would have been like? What were they praying for? They might have been saying things like, God, would you hurry up? They might have been saying things like, Jesus said something about this Holy Spirit. Let's ask for the Holy Spirit. Maybe they were praying, God, give us the Holy Spirit. Much of what we sang this morning, which was a declaration and a call for God to give us and to pour out his Holy Spirit here today. They were praying constantly in prayer. They were all together. They just stayed together. I don't think they were afraid, but they were praying for God to do something. I said to you that I sat, or I stood in a Service Canada lineup for quite a while, probably for an hour and a half, and I don't like wasting time, so I thought, let's do, uh, let's, let's make sure this waiting isn't wasted. So there was a young man who was beside me, who was wearing a Toronto Raptors t-shirt. And I thought, that's an opening. The Raptors, I think, were not in the playoffs any longer. And I said to him, oh, so you're a Toronto Raptors fan. We began to talk. And we talked, believe it or not, we talked for an hour. I could give you, like, he was, he was in university, was playing basketball on the east coast of Canada. He was coaching basketball for the summer, so we just, I got to know about his family, I got to know how many siblings he had, I got to know what his parents did for a living. Uh, it was a great, we had a great talk for an hour. It's like, I did not waste an hour. I invested in learning about another human being in that hour. So God says, when you're waiting, there's things you can do, and the number one thing that you and I can do when we're waiting is to pray is to just sit and pray and be quiet. Let's take a look now at what God actually does when they're waiting. What are they waiting for? And let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. So open your app, your Bible, browser, or whatever. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the, blo the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now they were staying in Jerusalem. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts of Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Let's pray together. Father, as we unpack and look at and study your word together, we know that your Holy Spirit is the teacher. And we invite your Holy Spirit to teach us this morning to use these feeble words of mine to impact the lives of every person in this room and who's watching online and who will watch online in the future. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We see in Acts chapter 2 here, the Holy Spirit comes. He was expected, but they may not have been certain about how this was to take place. There was this promise I want to just show you the promises that Jesus gave to his disciples. If you have in John, and they're not going to come up on the screen, and I'm sorry about that, but in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus says to his disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. What we see in that text is this is a promise of God the Father. He will send the Holy Spirit. This is a promise. He will do it. They didn't know when. We see here that it says he will give you another advocate to be with you. For how long? Forever. Forever. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. Those who are followers of Jesus Christ, who have come to faith in Jesus, knowing that he is the one who leads us into God's presence, forever we are sealed with the Holy Spirit been given to us. Finally, this text also says that he will show us God's truth. And then in John 14, 26, Jesus continues to talk about the Holy Spirit, and he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I want you to notice this word advocate comes up again, but here it's actually capitalized, which means he's the helper, he's the counselor, he's the one who walks alongside he is also a teacher. He will teach you all things, and it's a reminder that it's actually he points us to Jesus, comes in my name. He will point us to Jesus. You know that Jesus says he will teach you all things. All Scripture has been God-breathed. The Holy Spirit has anointed people, the writers of our scriptures, has given them the anointing to write down what it is that God wants us to know. And that's why we have the Bible. Then in John 15, 26, Jesus continues, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Again, there's this promise, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit 
to you. Jesus said he's going to come in my name. Now he says he's going to come from God the Father. And he's going to be a witness of the work of Jesus in this world. So how now does the Holy Spirit show up? We have this promise, he's coming. How does he show up? Well, there's some signs. We see the gift that God gives. There's this opening of a gift. How many of you love to open gifts? Yeah. You know those gift bags where you put some tissue paper on? That just doesn't cut it. You know, it's got to be like wrapped and taped, and i got to work at it. I want to work at opening a gift. Well, this is the gift that God gives to the early church, and he gives to us today. This is the gift that we need to open. So let's see what this gift looks like. The first thing we see in the signs is we see the sound of a wind. And it's that word breath. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it speaks of God hovering over the waters. It says in verse 2, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit, the breath of God, was hovering over the waters. God was present. And so this wind is showing the breath of God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, which talks about humanity and man being created, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. This breath gives us life. It comes from God. And as human beings, we're the only ones who have that breath of God Created in the image of God, that's us. So the first thing we see in this sign is this wind of God, this, this sound of a mighty wind. Now, if you live in Saskatchewan, you guys understand what a mighty wind sounds like, right? Like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you can hear that wind beating against whatever, the side of the house, and you're wondering, did, is there anything blowing around in the yard? You may ask yourself that question. There's this sound of a mighty wind, and so they're listening. They're sitting in this room praying, and all of a sudden there's this sound of a mighty wind. I don't know if there was an actual wind. It just says there was the sound of a wind. So there's this roaring sound. The second sign that we see here is the sign of a fire. There's this fire that comes, and it comes as one, and then it tells us it separates And it goes over every single person's head. Now again, we don't know if actual fire, but it was the picture of a fire. Throughout Scripture, fire is often used of God's presence. In the Old Testament, Moses was called through a fire, a burning bush. The pillar of fire that guided the nation of Israel through the wilderness. In Exodus 13, we read, By day the Lord God went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night by a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. God was present in the fire and in the cloud in that situation. The Lord was with them in his presence. Then there's the example of Isaiah, one of the prophets of the Old Testament, where Isaiah has this experience where he comes before God and he sees God, and this is his response in Isaiah chapter 6. He says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, 
which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. The fire is that purity. It shows us the purity of God. The third sign that we see here is that of tongues, languages. And there's all of a sudden, so they, see the, they hear the wind, they see these flames, and now all of a sudden they start talking. And they're all talking in different languages. So they're, obviously there's something going on because they're actually getting out of the house. They're in the house together. I don't know how this is happening if all of a sudden God is like, move. And I tell you, when God says move, you, you can't not move. You have to move. So they would be up and moving and going outside of wherever this house was, and they're talking in these languages, and they're saying things. They don't even know what they're saying. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 6, it said, a crowd came together, and they were bewildered because each one heard their own language being spoken. Now, I read a whole list of nations, and those, those people would have also understood a single language like Aramaic. They would have known a language that they could speak in common. But what was happening here was God was giving them his word in their heart language, their first language. And that is a wonderful thing, and I think that's why it's so important for us to be translating Scripture into as many languages as we can so that people get the word of God in their own language. They go, I understand it. Because that's the language I grew up with as a child. So they're hearing their heart languages being spoken as they're in the city for this Pentecost festival. Now again, the disciples don't know what they're saying. But here, the scripture actually tells us what they're saying. In Acts chapter 2, verse 11, the end of the verse, it says, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. The wonders of God are being declared. So here's Pentecost. Here's this event that's taking place. It's when the Holy Spirit is given to us as a church and is given to us as followers of Jesus. And he shows up particularly here in these three ways, wind, fire, and languages. There's this idea of the, the purity of God, the passion of God, and the power of God is seen in each of these things. And then Peter preaches a sermon. Peter, the one who had denied Christ, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gives him conviction and courage to stand up and to speak boldly the word of truth. So what is the gift that he then shares? The gift is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, which we didn't read, and you can read on your own because this would be a whole other sermon to actually go through the, the, the sermon that Peter preached. But here's what it says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, this is not a New Testament text. This is an Old Testament text. It's like, what do you mean? Call on the name of the Lord. Yes, in the Old Testament, the prophet Joel said, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. You will be saved. There's the gift. There's the gift. I want us to think for a moment this morning as we, as we close, to think about this gift that God has given to us. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, he doesn't come to us necessarily in those three ways. Wind, fire, languages, tongues. But he comes to be in us and to live in us. You see, God's gift is his presence for every single follower of Jesus Christ. We have been sealed, been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in our day, my, my caution is that we sometimes think, well, is the Holy Spirit really active? Is the Holy Spirit really thinking about you and I and what's going on? Is God present? Does God understand? Does God see what's going on in our world today? And I would say, absolutely, He sees. He knows. And it grieves His heart often when He sees what's going on around in our world, when there's wars, when there's famines. The Holy Spirit of God has been given to us to allow us to live our lives with strength and courage and boldness, the same way that he did in the early church. These fearful disciples who watched their Savior die, told to wait, this gift of the Holy Spirit comes, and they're given courage and boldness to speak the truth. That text that I read at the end, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This morning, I want us to think about how do we respond to that kind of call? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as I, just as I wrap things up here. But this idea of do, we, do you call on the name of Jesus? And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're here and you have never called on the name of Jesus, you've never said, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I am a broken person. Like Isaiah who said, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and there's a way to get through that and that is the Holy Spirit's fire comes and purifies us. To turn to the name of Jesus and receive forgiveness and life. John 10.10, I've come that you might have life and that you'd have life to the full. And that comes through the Holy Spirit. This morning, if that's you, if you have never prayed to receive Jesus Christ and be saved, calling on his name, I want to invite you not to leave before you do that. Not to leave before you do that. You see, it's actually the Holy Spirit who draws us toward Jesus. So if you're here this morning, it's because the Holy Spirit's drawing you here. It's because he's the one who's leading you. So would you call on the Holy Spirit? I want to also let you know that the Holy Spirit gives us life for each day. Gives us life for each day. I'm cautious about sharing this personal story with you because I don't want it to be about me. I want it to actually be about what God's doing. But there are times where, I don't know about you, but I, I am feeling weighed down, burdened. And when that happens to me, I find I don't sleep well. Maybe you can relate. And uh, this had been going on for a while, and I was just feeling this tension and this, what I would call, describe as anxiety. And I'm awake at 4.30 in the morning again, 
and I'm praying, and I'm, so that's what I do when I'm awake. I don't fuss, I just pray. <laughs> Lord, you know, take this away, deal with this. What do I need? Is there something I need to learn? There's something, so I'm praying earnestly before God, and it was one of those nights where, where we were, and I could hear the wind beating on the side of the house, and a word came to me. That wind is the power of the Holy Spirit. And I said, yes, it is. Lord, take the wind of your Holy Spirit and blow through me and blow this anxiety away. And from the top of my head to my feet, I felt it go. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, does that happen every time I pray? No. But I'll tell you, that gives me courage and boldness to speak the truth of God's Word because it is powerful and it is active today. And God wants to work in us. So I also want to invite you today to ask God to fill you with His Spirit. I said we're sealed. As followers of Jesus, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. He is in you. He is in you. But we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, we are vessels who leak. You notice that? We leak. We, you know what? We sin. And when we sin, that's the leaking. Holy Spirit isn't going to leave us. But we need to then come back and go, you know what? God... I repent of my sin. And the quicker we do it, the better. Make it right. And Paul tells us to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. This morning, maybe that's what you need. You need you're saying, I, I don't sense the power of God in my life. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to pray, invite you to come and be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is here. The Holy Spirit is present. He wants to be in you and filling you. Two other things I would say in closing. Thank God for his gift of salvation and spirit. Can you just say, thank you, God? Like, and I think about what he's given us in the Holy Spirit. I look at this text and how the Holy Spirit comes. It's like, oh, God, this is amazing. Thank you that you have given me that spirit who lives in me. And finally, I would say, as a way of, as we leave from here today, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if we leave, as we leave from here today, would you ask God to show you who needs to hear of this gift, and would you be open with courage and boldness to share it with that person this week? You don't have to go out of your way. Like, I don't go out of my way to go, where am I going to find somebody? i got to find somebody to talk to. I just go like, God, bring somebody to me. That young man that I talked with for an hour outside Service Canada, I didn't say, you know, God, are you going to bring somebody? It's like I just was ready and prepared, and when this young man was there, I invited him into a conversation. If he would have said, I don't want to talk, would have turned and talked to his neighbor, I would have said, okay, that's good. I'm okay with that. So could we ask God to show somebody that we could share this gift with, the gift of salvation, the gift of the Spirit? So as we sing these next songs, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up. 
and we're going to sing together, but if, if God's calling you one for salvation to say, I need to call on the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved this morning, I want to invite you to come forward for prayer. If you're saying, hey, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm missing something in my Christian walk with God, and it is the Holy Spirit who I know I'm sealed with as a follower of Jesus, but I just need him to fill me, I invite you to come forward for prayer. We want to support and encourage and walk with each other. We want to care for each other. We want to be God's hands and feet here this morning for you. So if you want to be prayed for, please come. Let's sing together just after I pray. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is present in this place right now. And Lord, I pray for each person who's here who may not know you, who may never have called on your name. Lord, I pray they wouldn't leave here without responding to the call of your Spirit. And then, Lord, I pray for us as followers of Jesus. Lord, we do leak. We need your filling continuously. We need you to touch us. Uh, Father, I pray for, your, uh, for those who need to be filled with the Spirit, who are feeling weak and disabled in their faith. Lord, I pray they would come. They would understand that your Spirit is here, that they would be prayed for, that your Spirit would fill them with boldness and courage to face whatever it is they need to face today and tomorrow and into this week. For we pray this for your glory, Jesus.